It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. There's something really interesting when you consider the age of characters in certain biblical accounts. Considering their upbringing and how their life will later intersect with other characters. I like to compare it sometimes to something fascinating that happened in the American Civil War. It's the fact that nearly every general who fought in the Civil War, there are some exceptions, they went to one specific college called West Point to study the art of war. Further, many even fought together in the war with Mexico prior to the Civil War. It's really interesting when you consider how best friends in college were opposite each other in many battles, fighting against each other later, while they were roommates in college before. And another interesting thing is how certain students with exceptional grades, like Robert E. Lee, would go on to become exceptional generals, while street smart but not academic, Ulysses S. Grant would be a horrible student, but an excellent general later. That's a bit of a sidebar, but it relates to the story, too. Back to the point that these future leaders were once best friends, are now opposite each other on the battlefield. So as we transition to an entirely new generation into this storyline, you know, the time of Hezekiah is over. Manasseh and his sin and his reckless son and how they even killed away the prophets. Here we are, and Assyria is still at its height, but here we are in this time when new kings arise in the world to challenge Assyria and really to take them on. And then you've got a new king in Israel, and you have an entirely new crop of prophets that come out of nowhere. So I want to introduce these characters. We're going to do something a little different. So if this upcoming generation of up-and-comers were like the American Civil War, and they went to school together, we'd be looking at the class of 640 B.C. So imagine with me, there's a class of 640 B.C. There's a place on Earth, let's say it's in the center of all of this. Let's say it's uh, in Israel or somewhere around here. A beautiful paradise, and we've got two schools separated by a valley. Let's just call it, for, for easy understanding, a boarding school where all the kings send their princes to. And then they also they send off their prophets. So we've got two schools separated by a valley. On one side is a school of the kings, and on the other side is a, a, over the valley is a school of the prophets. Because all seem to come out of the same timeline. Born around and raised in the same generation. Here are the kings that come onto this world stage in this age. There's Josiah, Pharaoh, Necho, Nabopolassar, Xerxes, Asher Ubalet, and there's a Syracus of Assyria. If there was a school of the prophets, we have four schoolmates who go public with their prophecies. The prolific Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and Nahum. And these are the, the faithful prophets. All the others are not. They will have a common theme, these prophets. 
and there will be an underlying theme to this generation. Here's the setting of the next generation. The world has been terrorized by a harsh master long enough. Bitterness to Assyrian terror has gone on long enough. The world has seen enough, and bitterness rising up is was strong in the fathers, but the bitterness in the sons is intense. God has had enough as well, and he's going to empower a world of change. The wickedness of the previous generations has triggered a judgment in the courts of heaven. Every prophet who tunes into the correct voice in this age hears and sees impending destruction upon the power structures of the world. A rising bitterness is tipping to a boiling point. Angers have risen. The arrogance of Assyria has torn away fathers and generations. This boiling point is not some hot water to boil eggs. This is scorching endless fire that breaks and tears apart sinews and joints and tears asunder, separating and even terminating generations, and has a drive to eliminate an actual civilization. It's a live-or-die era. If this alliance of kings succeeds against the Assyrians, they desire to eradicate their civilization, men, women, children, even the animals, all of it. The hatred in this era is unbelievably intense. The desire is for intense, overwhelming revenge and hatred, and it's fueled as well by judgment prophecy. The underlying words in the spirit are destructive in nature. We all have learned at this stage, though, that words of destruction are charges to repent and receive mercy. Mercy to see God move in ways unimaginable. Interesting, though, we hear of little repentance in this entire generation. Unfortunately, we don't see intercessors who repent in this age. There is the bright and shining light of King Josiah in Israel, but we don't see it outside of that little bubble very much. Instead, we see action junkies of judgment all over the world. Okay, so let's go back to the School of Kings. Imagine again with me. There's a boarding school in Middle Mesopotamia where rulers sent their kids to learn the state of rulership. There's two friends who quickly, there's two students who quickly become friends. Xaroxeres of Persia and Nabopolassar of Babylon. Further, there's a bright young man named Josiah in the class. There's an ambitious young man who was a fighter. His name was Necho. And there was a bully named Zarakus, and he had a best friend, Asher Ubalit, who was even stronger and more gifted than him, but, but he served him. At one time, these students became friends. They would compete in schoolyard and with others in school. Some are academic, others are not. Some students excelled and they got to know their teachers. Some didn't care, didn't care less. Some are good at sports and others not. Neko proves to be a very productive student, able to manage business-type enterprises and other endeavors. Xeroxeres has a knack for managing his projects. He's a multitasker with a surprising amount of integrity, a man who didn't seem to care about power and greed, unlike the others. Nabu-Pileser is another story. Very ambitious and strong and courageous in his competitions. He's even smart. The guy is incredibly intelligent in his tests and his scores are off the chart. An endless amount of skill and ambition, this young lad. Josiah is an interesting sort. 
his distinguishing characteristic is not his boldness. In fact, he's quite quiet and unassuming. But the two things rouse the students to take notice of him. In the moment of competition, frustration, or extreme stress, he would rise to become an extraordinary leader. In a sports competition, he was the guy who performed better in the last few minutes. The guy who did better when the coach screamed and yelled at him to perform better. He was a guy who would win the boxing match only after getting knocked down twice. It took a lot to arouse him, but there was a fire within him that burned that teachers and students came to look out for. Asher Ubalit was the class muscle man, and he was always with his buddy, Siracus, who seemed to run a gang of kids. Asher Ubalit would steal everyone's lunch on a daily basis. Few would fight him except when Xeroxeres and Nabopolassar decided they had had enough of his bullying. An alliance of these men, with the help of Josiah, forced Asher Ubalit and Siracus to back off, finding an unexpected friend in Neko. Alliances were drawn, and the reds and the whites would square off from time to time. But in the end, the teachers allowed the struggle to go on with then limits, because it encouraged a competition in the classroom and it refined their character. Opposite the valley was a school of the prophets. It had teachers, but most of them were the prophets of Baal and other religions. The older generation of the prophets of God were no more, but more were coming of age. There were some Levites who survived the purges of yesteryear, but that's it. The teachers did not believe in the God of Israel. Altogether, the students worshipped assorted gods, the teachers, and the students. All the teachers and students were worshippers of other gods, except four exceptional cases. The head of the student class was a man named Hananiah. He believed in worshipping a mix of gods. He even claimed to worship God as well, including the God of Israel. That's what he said, but he truly didn't worship him at all. He worshipped all gods. On the fringe of the class and dispersed throughout the rankings of the class, the four exceptional cases, these men were named Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Nahum, and Zephaniah. These students were holy men, men of encounter. Their walk with God was personal and full of encounter and prophecy. Despite being mocked and raged against by their teachers and students, they remained faithful to God. They became great friends out of sheer necessity due to the common purpose, faith, and need for companionship in the midst of persecution and the power of their revelations. In the dark seasons, they captured in the spirit the destructive potential of the generation bent on reversing the ages of tyranny in the land. A physical heart was set to rid the world of control, domination, and the tyranny of Assyria, while God's heart was set to the judgment of generations of evil and the tearing down of strongholds. The prophets themselves were a challenging crew. Jeremiah was a serious man. Nahum as well. Zephaniah and Habakkuk were a lighter bunch, for Habakkuk was captured the joy of the Lord in other aspects, not taking himself too serious. Jeremiah, though the youngest, was the most articulate, serious, and gifted. Nahum was the oldest and a stern, bitter fellow. Habakkuk was the only prophet in Israel that would see the glory of the Lord fill the entirety of the earth in an age when judgments of death were awaiting at the horizon.
In one session, the prophets visited the campus of the kings. All the prophets delivered wonderful prophecies, tickling all the ears of the future kings, except the four. The four prophets of God appeared to have a critical spirit by their peers, and they were given horrible scores by their teachers because they spoke of devastating words to some and encouraging words to others. Nahum went off on Asher Ubalit and Saracus to the stage that they had to walk him away before he was pummeled by the bullies. At another stage, Jeremiah had Xeroxeres and Nabupolesser hold hands as he called out a secret pact that they had made together. The two were awed. Over Necho was spoken the marvels and treasures of antiquity of naval mapping and the prosperity of history. But Josiah was given the lion's share of their attention to the applause of the teachers and peers who understood the treasures hidden in the young man. For almost an hour they extolled the treasure and zeal locked up in the man, and for him to welcome it when the Lord would put him on like a glove, and to have the wisdom to know when he operated in the zeal of the Lord versus the zeal of man. To have the very difficult and to have wisdom to understand the difficult task of recognizing wisdom of the difference between the zeal of the Lord and the zeal of man. At one moment, there was a pause in the prophecies as Jeremiah stared at Necho and back at Josiah. And he stated, you must reconcile what is not broken. He said this over and over. Yet in the end, oil was poured on the young man, Josiah, ending the prophetic session. At graduation, the students would go on their own ways and onto their destinies. Nabiopolesser would be the top of the class, a rare thing for a brilliant, athletic, charismatic leader to have the social skills as well as the brilliance that he would even in the classroom. Xeroxeres and Necho were not far behind. Josiah was further back because he didn't always have the motivational spark for him to excel, though many a time he even excelled even the best in the class. Asher Ubalit and Syracus were near the bottom of the class, for they cared little for academics. As for the prophets, the four exceptional students who worshipped God and God alone had horrible grades. Hananiah was the top of the class because the standards for grading was by idol-worshipping teachers. But the four didn't care, for they had grown up not caring for what man thought, but only God. Onto their countries and careers and lives, the student went away men. But nearly all of them would meet again, some in the king's courts, others on the battlefield. The class of 640 BC and the next generation of kings and prophets. Hope you enjoyed this imaginary look at the next generation of our story and the class of 640 BC. If anything, you have a look at our upcoming characters, some personality, and the motivations behind them. And that alliance that we spoke of between the kings, that will occur. And the prophets, we know of four faithful prophets in this age. There'll be more coming in the next generation, but there'll be four faithful prophets, many, many unfaithful ones as well.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com. Share the Facebook page or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.